0: Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks for joining us for our podcast this weekend, May 30, 31. We had some technical difficulties with our live stream broadcast, and so this weekend it is audio version only here. And let me say, the first three minutes of this audio has some really annoying reverb on it, but it will go away after three minutes. Please tune back in next weekend. for. We're hoping to bring you a great online video service as well or we hope to see you on site in our building. In the meantime, I hope you're blessed by this message. We did begin this week's message with a time of prayer for the situation our nation is facing right now. And so I just want to encourage you to be in prayer for our nation um, around all the tension and uh, everything that's going on right now. God bless, enjoy the message, and we hope to see you next week online, on audio, or in person. Have any of you noticed how how quickly in your life you can go from the feeling of man everything is great um, man I just feel so blessed by God I feel like God is so close um, I feel like God is near and you can go from that to feeling like where is God like God has abandoned me pretty quickly have you noticed that in your life? That that's an easy thing to do, to go from that feeling of, of connectedness and intimacy with God and pretty soon to be just wondering. Or how many of you have found it's pretty easy to go from have, experiencing something great and something cool in your life where you see God move in, in, a, in a significant way or maybe a real blessing came into your life. Maybe it was a financial thing or uh, you know, just a great family time or you had this awesome experience with your family or God really showed up in a way that you were in a bind and God showed up in a way that you're like, wow, that was so cool, I have no doubt in my mind that was God that moved in this situation and then quickly, didn't take too long after that, till so you just, you were stressed and anxious and grumpy and complaining to God No, none of you, just me, right? (laughs) That's good. It's good when you preach to yourself, right? Hey, when you preach to yourself, you always have good sermons because, you know, there's always stuff to preach about, right? So, amen. There we go. We got one. So... Here's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at one of the most dramatic accounts in scripture, one of the most incredible um, events ever to happen. And you know, if you grew up in church, you've, you've heard this before, you know this story probably. In fact, anybody remember flannel graphs? Yeah, a few of you. Anybody under 30 remember flannel graphs? One person over here in the corner. Flannel graphs, for those of you who are younger in the room, were these things they used in like kids' Sunday school or kids'... Church class, and they stuck like shapes and things up on them animals and lambs and that kind of thing. Uh, They're kind of cool, uh, not as cool as HDTVs. I just got to say that because I'm a techie guy, but um, they were kind of cool back in the day. So, anyway, you may have seen this on a flannel graph illustrated. This amazing dramatic event. And just to remind you, where we left off last week, um, we saw this in- interesting thing that God powerfully rescues His people from Egypt. He delivers them, and then He brings them out. And instead of taking them on the direct route, the quick route to the Promised Land, which is just a pretty short journey, uh, He takes them on the southern route instead of the northern route. He takes them south into the desert. And they're going to be in the desert for quite a while. And on the way, as they're on this journey, he actually tells them, I want you to take this side trip down, and he brings them to a place where literally they are backed against a wall, or literally they're backed against the Red Sea, where there's really no place to escape. And Pharaoh gets wind of this, and God actually specifically brings his people there because he wants to rescue them finally from the power and the oppression of Egypt, and dramatically, so that so that all the nations of the world will recognize that he is God. And so he brings them to this location. And like we said, uh, what do you do when you find yourself with your back against the wall? I know some of you are in a situation like that in life right now, where you find yourself with your back against the wall. And our tendency in seasons of uncertainty or fear is to assume that God has abandoned us. Or to assume that God doesn't care about where we find ourselves. It's just a a tendency. And our tendency is to want to return to habits or lifestyles or things from the past, which is exactly what we saw the people of Israel. They said, did you bring us out here just to kill us in the desert? We were better off as slaves. And they forget the oppression they were under and what God has freed them just because they find themselves in a place where their back is up against a wall. And so that's where we pick up. Verse fifteen of chapter fourteen says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now remember, they're kind of by the sea. It's like move on where, right? But I don't know if this is humorous or or what. But anyway, I find it a little humorous. Maybe there's just a humor. Just move on. Move on. Get going raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Now, let me just say, as their back is up against the wall in this, in this circumstance, nobody sees this one coming. Nobody sees this. I mean, they are backed up, you know, to, to, to the Red Sea, and there's no way to escape. And you would think, okay, God, what are you going to do in this circumstance, right? And one of the amazing things about God is he is so creative. Let me just do a poll. We did this last night too. And uh, how many of you have seen that God has moved in your life and almost always he moves in different ways? Yeah. But if you've seen God clearly move move in your life in different ways, that's like most of us in this room. It's because he's so creative, and this is one thing I've noticed. In fact, you go look at the miracles Jesus does, and he, he's constantly doing and meeting people where they are and meeting them in unique ways, and that is so significant because when you get into a situation in life where you're not sure how it's going to work out, where you're not sure what to do or where to go, we usually try to try to think of how we would solve the problem, and then it's from left field. God comes in and solves it in a different way. And we're like, oh, wow, I didn't see that one coming. Didn't see that one coming. But he is good. He works in those situations. And he's so creative in the way that he works. Verse 17. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, we talked about that last week, so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and All his army through his chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Now, this is so cool. And there's something so significant. Remember, the pillar of God is this um, manifestation of the presence of God, this dramatic manifestation. Pillar of cloud by day that leads them, pillar of fire by night that protects them, gives them light, keeps them warm. And it's this incredible picture that will be mirrored uh, about 1,500 years later. Actually, today is Pentecost Sunday. That's cool. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and that is the day as the Holy Spirit comes down after the resurrection. The Holy Spirit comes down as tongues of fire mirroring this, the pillar of fire, the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit comes down as tongues of fire on his people to not just go with them, but to indwell us. Those of you that have placed your faith, the Holy Spirit indwells us That his power empowers us. That first he he saves us and redeems us, not by anything we have done, but by his might and his power and his strong hands, simply by trusting in him. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit. He indwells us. He gives us the ability. Um, A little bit, a few chapters down here, we're going to get to the section where God begins to give them the law, right, of how we're supposed to respond and treat our fellow men and God actually by the power of the holy spirit he writes the law on the man. And this is why man really, and this is why man really the answer to the issues and the and the the huge problems we see in our society is people finding Jesus and being filled with his holy spirit and and, and experiencing the power to actually live life in a way that is loving towards God and others. We don't have it in us in, on our own. And so that, as we prayed for that man, the prayer, people need Jesus in this nation. And believers, we need to walk by the Holy Spirit. Just like they were guided by this cloud in the desert, we need to draw near, we need to be in prayer, we need to be listening and attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our, as he checks our conscience. Because we can grow as he checks our conscience. Because we can grow numb and we can grow callous to that. And we can find the things that rise up in our heart begin to take over if we're not careful, if we're not drawing near, if we're not being led. Paul says it this way, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this ongoing process in our lives of, of inviting the Holy Spirit to, to um, literally give us the power to empower us to do the will of God, to empower us to love our husbands and love our wives and love our kids and love our neighbor who's different from us, right? Even those ones that think just so crazy, right? There's some of those. You have some of those in your life? You're like, I don't get it, right? They think you're crazy too. Just remember that. Just remember words of Jesus on different sides of the the political and uh, ideological spectrum, you're gonna probably, you're, you're gonna spend eternity with them, okay? Yeah. So might as well start getting used to, you know, loving each other now. So anyway, all right. That was a bunny trail. I wasn't even planning on going there. But what's interesting about this is, is the light, the light brings, or, or the, the pillar now, brings light to one side and darkness to the other. And that's something interesting about about the Holy Spirit. There's something interesting about the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And there's something about the presence of God that at times that it brings light to one set of people or light to one group of people, and other people just can't see it. And it's like it brings darkness. I, I, I just found that an interesting thing. Paul also says, quoting the prophet Isaiah, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Jesus said, blessed are those who do not stumble on account of me. And so I just found that an interesting thing about the presence of God in this setting, the way that it brought light to the light to the people of God, but darkness to those around. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Now, this is cool. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you know, with the flannel graphs, you can read this and really just sort of be numb to it. In fact, I bet as I read it just now, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Right? But because you've read it so many times if you grew up in church. But just picture this. As they're sitting here, they're terrified. The, the Egyptian army with all these chariots, 600-some chariots, right? This is At this time, this is a new military technology, and and this is the superpower of the world coming out with their superpower army after this group that had been slaves now for a long period of time. They don't know warfare or anything. They're terrified in this circumstance. And then the the cloud comes through, and, and God is there protecting them, but still the army is right on the other side, and then all of a sudden... God says, hey, Moses, here's what I want you to do. Hey, this is going to be good. I've, been, I've thought this up before there was time. This is going to be awesome. Here, stretch out your arm. Stretch out your staff. And so he does, and then the wind just picks up. Can you imagine the noise? We live right up here, and we, like when it blows 40 miles an hour in the rest of the valley, we have a wind tunnel, so it's like 60 or 70 miles an hour, like, rip my gutter off Uh, a couple weeks ago we had this big windstorm right and that noise is just like it shakes the house well imagine that but imagine the kind of wind God is sending here to miraculously divide this sea oh just the noise and you've got the pillar on one side of the army and then this crazy wind I mean just picture put yourself in that situation right Okay, if you can't picture it, go watch Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. That'll help you. Your kids will like it too. And so this is what's happening. It's just and what's cool here is God is doing his thing, the thing that only God can do. Yeah, he uses natural means, which is interesting because so many times the way that God does his miracles are in a way that someone who does not believe can explain them away, right? I mean, it takes a kind of a crazy thing to explain this. Well Man, that was quite a, some wind, wasn't it? But can you see how a skeptic could, could even explain that away? And I think that's something you see about the way God merges. But the other thing is, do you notice he could have just said, hey, Moses, just turn around and watch this. Have the people all turn around and check this out. Right? But he wants to use Moses in the process. And so he says, I want you to stretch out your hand, Moses, and see, when we did our series on prayer, this is something we talked about. How well, the, Really, the primary means that God chooses to, to work. Not that he's bound by this. Yes, he steps in away from human activity, but the primary way that God chooses to work in this world is through the activity of human beings, his representatives. The primary, You've heard the song, and it's kind of trite, that you're the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And that's true. We don't often think of it that way. But there are things that God wants to accomplish through you in your circle of influence to those people he's placed around you. There's things he wants to accomplish through you and through your prayers. And it's a privilege. He can get it done without you. He'll find somebody else, but he's given you the privilege of partnering with him and what he wants to do. And man, I think you should take that privilege and responsibility seriously and be in prayer and wake up with an attitude of, okay, I want to, Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you today. What, What do you have for me today? What do you want for me to accomplish today? Verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots. Then the Lord said to Moses, again, he wants to use Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. They're on the other side now. So that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Man, this is one of the most dramatic events of history. And there's some that don't believe this is a historical event. This is just a a made-up story. I know that. But I believe that this is something God really did. There's a great documentary. You may want to write it down, especially since we're going through this series, called Patterns of Evidence Exodus. And it's really cool. And here's something that's cool. I'm going to do a little history nerd out for those of you here. Those at home that don't like this, now would be a good time for a bathroom break, you know, Um, snack break. But those in the room, you can just glaze your eyes over if you don't want to listen to history, because I know you do anyway, right? Yeah, there's no football on, so I know you're not checking football. (laughs) All right, so here's the cool thing. So this guy, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Somebody will correct me afterwards, I'm sure. Um, But there's this guy that wrote, this historian, Menatho, he wrote the Egyptian history, like, you know, around the time of Jesus, a little bit before the time of Jesus, And he writes about all the Egyptian dynasties and, you know, the history of Egypt. And there's this one part that's really confused and really hard to translate and decipher. And basically, uh, something you may hear from people who are skeptical of the Bible is that there's no historical evidence for the exodus. But as you look at the, um, as you look at what's happened because of Manapho's um, history of the dynasties of Egypt, basically the rest of world history has been attached to that. And, there, and as scholars have studied this, they found a very strong likelihood that the time frame has, was shifted by as much as a couple hundred years, that it's off because of this jumbled up period. And so when you slide the time frame back a little bit more, all of a sudden you start finding all this incredible history of, you know, Hebrew people, Semitic people living in Egypt, and then this whole slave population that quickly disappears, and then writings in, in Egyptian literature about this time when the land was, was judged horribly, right? And then you have this really interesting historical thing, which is this people called the, the Hiskos or Hiskos, I'm not sure how you say it, um, but they come down and basically take over Egypt without even a fight. And so you need, I mean, it's this weird thing in history. They're not a powerful group, but they come down and they take over Egypt and they rule Egypt for a period of um, 100 or more years. And they take over without even a fight. And I think the best historical explanation for that event in history that you can go look up is the Exodus. And the fact that the Egyptian army, the superpower of the world, their whole army is destroyed. And as word gets out The East think, hey, we have the opportunity to go down and take over, and that's exactly what they do. All right, history nerd out done. You can go look that up. Verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Isn't that cool? I mean, you've read it before, so you're like, oh yeah, crossing the Red Sea, cool. But imagine that. Imagine seeing God move that Remarkably, I've, I've had moments where I know that God has moved, that you know, you could try to talk me out of it, but in my heart, I know that I know that I know that God showed up, either, you know, experiences with God, just the presence of God, or God stepping in and doing things. But this, this is a whole new level, isn't it? I mean, imagine being one of the people that actually got to live through this. Imagine that. And they do something here in this next verse, in this next little section, that I think is so. Uh, fitting, and something that we often, in our busy pace of life, we just fail to do. The whole next chapter, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to go home and read the whole next chapter, okay? Exodus 15, that's your homework, because it's this beautiful psalm, this beautiful song, poetry, put to music that the people of Israel, so they stop, they pause, they write this song, maybe it's spontaneous, Uh, probably they write it, they pass it around, and then they have this incredible, basically big church service celebration. And you know what we do when we come together and we sing and we worship? It's not just like the warm-up for the message, it's actually something we are doing to express a heart of gratitude. It's not just Christian karaoke. I don't know, if you're like new to church, you're like, this is weird, The only other place we do this is in the bar, you know. But then there's this little bouncy ball on top of the words. No, it's this time when we reflect back to him, to God, when we take a time to pause and say thank you. And song has always been one of the primary ways that theology is expressed in our lives that truth is expressed. I bet you've had songs, worship songs, that in seasons of your life stuck with you and ran through your head and helped you through a really hard time, haven't you? There's something powerful in in truth put to song. And so they celebrate the nature and the character of God. They have a big church service. I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses here. Verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord, "I will sing to the Lord, for He has highly exalted both the horse and driver. He is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him, My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is His name." Not a cool song? Some of you are like, "Hey, wait, I think I remember a song that goes something like that if you grew up in church, right? I won't sing it for you right now. Oh. They go on in verse 11 to say this. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Who is like you? No one like you. In other words, they're not saying there's a bunch of gods and you're the best. What they're saying is among all these false idols worshipped in all these nations, nothing compares to the one sure God. You are incredible. You are awesome. Your works are mighty. And I love it, verse 20. Verse 20, Moses' sister, who's also Moses and Aaron's sister, says this. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took up a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels. And dancing, Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both the horse and driver. He is hurled into the sea. They party here. And wouldn't you too? Timbrel. This is a timbrel. Actually, it would have like a skin wrapped over it, but pretty close to a modern-day, like, tambourine, right? And so they pick up these tambourines, you know. I don't think they do like hippie Woodstock beats or anything, but I can't do a Middle Eastern, uh, but they're singing it. I was in a band. That's why I'm that talented. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're just partying. They're worshiping. They're dancing. They're a little less stoic than most of us here on Sunday mornings. I'm just saying that. Yeah. They know how to get their worship on and just, just express to God a heart of gratitude and to reflect back his majesty. I mean, it's this beautiful, beautiful, amazing moment led by Miriam, the first of the prophetesses that we see in scripture. There's many more to follow. And she, she leads the people in this. It's this incredible, incredible scene. So, they have this incredible moment with God. They have this incredible time, this incredible season, and I love what they do. They don't just move on and forget what God's done, although it's so often I think we experience something cool. We're like, wow, cool, thanks God, and we're so busy that we're just on to the next thing. Celebration should be built into the rhythms of our life. That's part of the beauty of gathering together to worship is it's a, a rhythm of life that encourages us to reflect back on what God's done for us. And it's so easy in the busyness of life to allow that to be squeezed out of our lives. So they have this amazing moment. How long do you think it lasts? Three days. Smart people sit up front. <laughs> Not to insult any of you in the back. I'm just saying. I've just noticed this trend. (laughs) So, yeah. And see, isn't this the case in our life too? Check this out. Here's what happens. They have this amazing song in verse 21. Then in verse 22, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Mara; It means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? So they have this incredible experience that leads them to trust God, to trust his provision in a, in a whole new way. They've experienced God moving And how long does it take to go from there to grumbling, to complaining, to forgetting? Three days. And I'm just guessing that's probably about right if you look at your life, if I look at my life. Have you found it so easy that when God brings blessing or God does something, how quickly we lose sight of that? When things start to get a little rough? when we're in a new situation where things aren't going. And see, it's always, I think this is just something that's symptomatic of humanity, right? This will become a theme as we go through the rest of this book. You'll see this several times. But there's something in us that so quickly loses sight of what God has done. And see, here's the thing. When it comes to trusting God in faith, This whole experience, um, a little while uh, at the end of chapter 14 there, it said it inspired trust in their hearts for God. That they'd seen God, they believed in God, but now they'd seen God move in such a way that it's like, wow, God, we trust that you're going to come through. And yet three days later, here they're in this place, they're grumbling, they're complaining. They're starting to freak out a little bit. I think you or I probably would be too because I think it's so easy to forget. And see, here's the real challenge in, in when it comes to following God in faith. It's the real challenge is to continue, after God moves in our lives, to continue to follow God and walk in obedient trust. It's easy on the day this happens, on the day the Red Sea is split, it's easy on the day you get the raise. It's easy on the day when you know um, you prayed and asked her on a date and she said yes, isn't it? It's easy on that day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're moving. Man, it is hard when we go from those moments. Then three days later, to man, this is a rough patch. This is a dry desert. How did I quit so quickly? Get back to the desert season. And it's so easy to forget what God's done and all of a sudden begin to lose our trust in him. You know, I gotta make a confession as a uh, pastor that uh, I'm not always, I I don't feel like I'm always a strong person of faith. Maybe some of you identify. And here's the thing, I've seen God come through so many times. I think last week I told the story of, you know, when we didn't have a place to meet anymore and then God let us move into this big building. But let me tell you, we moved here in here with a short-term lease, right? And so, like, very shortly after moving in, I started worrying about, do we get to stay? Right? Maybe some of you can identify. And then, when it, we, you know, when we got our lease extended, then it's like, all right, God, how can we, you know, make this our home and I'm worrying about this and worrying about this and then there's this lot over here we need to purchase first for, for parking and I'm worried about that, Right? And then I'm worried about lease extensions, and and then we have all these issues with the contract, and I've seen God come through time after time, provide this incredible space um, that there's no way we ever should have moved into in the first place, right? And I'm still stressed and anxious every time one of these new things comes around, right? And then I remember we did the the whole uh, building thing, and there was a lot of stress around that, as you can imagine, and I remember as we were trying to have this reopening, kind of fun, cool, grand reopening thing, um, we had printed a banner already, we had a date set, and then we, we had missed some of the uh, fire alarm upgrades we had to do. And I just remember the stress as I had these conversations with the fire guy, right? And I'm thinking, oh no. Like, I, I was a little worried. I was like, what if they like, make, make us go meet somewhere else till we finish this? What if we can't meet? for church in the building for two weeks. And then March happened. What if we can't meet at all for two months? But you see this pattern that God is faithful and yet it's so easy to forget. And and here's the thing, here's the thing. This is cool. And this is where we're going to leave it here today. In verse 25. So they're complaining how quickly they've forgotten three days later. And and then Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. (laughs) I think this is so funny. I mean, you don't get this unless you pause and like think about this, but God, had, God has just split the Red Sea. <laughs> and I think Moses was planning for something more dramatic like God will do down the road where, you know, the rock splits, some huge fountain comes out or something. And God, he cries out to God, God, you gotta do something again. <laughs> and God goes, oh, uh, you see that stick? Yeah, throw it in the, throw it in the pond there. You <laughs> You sure? Yeah, yeah, just toss it in there. So boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no natural explanation for this, right? I mean, you know, you could try to make one somehow. The, the, the stick absorbed toxins for water for, you know, possibly up to a couple million people. Doesn't make sense. And yet it's so boring. And see, this is the thing that we get in the situation when our back's up against the wall and what we always tend to do is think God's gonna come through in a dramatic way and sometimes, guess what? It ain't gonna be dramatic. He's just gonna go, oh, hey, why don't you go do that? Oh, hey, why don't you go work over there? Oh, hey, you're gonna be okay. God moves in mysterious ways. The challenge is to trust him. You see, here's, here's the thing. Either way, he's gonna come through. Either way, he's going to get you to where he wants to take you. The thing, the thing is how much peace are you gonna have in the process? And the more you can learn just to trust in him. I got a, I got a very useful little question for you to ask. A better question than freaking out and going, God, what's happening here? Although we do that. We're human, right? This is the question of faith. Hmm, I wonder how God's gonna move this time. I wonder how God's gonna move this time. See, in a posture of trust in God, it says that God has promised, he's made covenant promises to his people. Now, the hard part about this is God has never promised us that life is gonna be easy or always go well. And I've just made this observation Um, that at least so far up to this point in history, nobody, well, there were two or three, um, no one else made it out alive. I've just made that observation, right? You guys are serious. I got all serious. But it's true. I mean, you know. And so there's no guarantee everything's gonna be easy and life's gonna go well, but what God's promised, the, the things that he's promised, he's gonna get you there where he wants to take you. He's gonna accomplish his purposes in your life. But the lack of trust does nothing but give you stress and anxiety. Do you get that? You experienced that? I have. And so a better question is this question. I wonder how God's gonna move this time. See, this is the posture of trust. God, I saw you move in the past. Wow, did we see you move. And now, here's another obstacle. And instead of getting angry and bitter and complaining and being generally unhelpful and kicking the dog, instead of all that, cat. cat. <laughs> Easy there, all right. So instead of all that, um, God, I just, I'm going to trust you and say, God, I know you're going to move. <laughs> I wonder how you're going to do it this time. It seems you're pretty creative in the ways you move. So Lord, just show me the next move. Show me if there's something you want me to do here. And then to be attentive to him and respond. And I think if you can get to that place in your heart, you will experience the next season with a lot more peace in your heart. That's so why it says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you, right? That when you bring in things in prayer and go, okay, Lord, this is the things we're facing, but I trust that you're good. I trust you have this under control. I don't know how this is gonna end, but I'm gonna wait for you. And wait to see how you're gonna move this time. It says, then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you'll experience that and you'll walk through that season with far more peace in a far healthier place inside your heart and so i just want to close by by saying this you know the cool thing about this is god knows these people and he knows us and he knows that we so quickly lose trust and so quickly move into anxiety The psalmist said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. And that's where he meets us. And and the gospel is that that God meets us where we are, that he seeks us, that he pursues us. And so if any in the room or any watching online right now that you haven't given your your life to Jesus, you haven't said, I wanna follow you, Jesus. I want to receive your forgiveness. I wanna just give you the opportunity to do that. And you do that by trusting him by trusting him, by putting your faith and trust in him. And so would you just stand, if we could stand here? I just wanna invite you to pray, pray a simple prayer like this after me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I can't make it to you on my own. I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I want to live my life for you. Lord, would you save me I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died and rose again. Save me and welcome me into your family. Put your Holy Spirit in me. And Father, for all the rest of my friends here, I just ask that they would experience the peace that comes through walking with that childlike, obedient trust in you that says, I wonder how you're gonna move this time. Would you help us all remember that? as we walk through this season, Lord. Father, I just pray that they would see your hand move just distinctly and uniquely in their lives. And as they tune into what your Holy Spirit's asking them to do and step in and move in in just clear ways. Thank you, Lord. I pray that we would follow you closely. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.